You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we are talking about table manners. <laughs> okay, we all know children are not born with table manners. They shove food in their mouths and then talk with their mouths full. They smear food across their high chairs. They throw it on the floor. They chew with their mouths open and they burp. The list goes on. And this is to be expected from a one-year-old who's learning to use a spoon and whose fine motor skills are still developing. But let's be honest, Bonnie, nobody really wants to eat with a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old who does those same things. Right, or a 40-year-old for that matter. <laughs> True. True. Um, well, when my kids were about middle school age, our county here in Tennessee had a series of what they called cotillion classes where they learned manners and etiquette alongside their peers. I guess it came from the old-fashioned debutante sort of things. And we are not fancy, let me tell you, but we decided... I mean, what could it hurt? How bad could it be? So it culminated in a fancy dance at the end of that series. And maybe that's more of a Southern tradition. Because I will say in the South, we do notice manners. They are important. We still appreciate a good yes, ma'am and yes, sir when addressing adults. But even if your kids are too young to go through cotillion or a finishing school, and if that's not a thing where you live, we still should be concerned about teaching our kids manners. Well, why? One of my favorite ways to set up a topic is to remember that before you know if something is working, you need to know what it's for. So what are manners for, Bonnie? First of all, manners are the glue that keep modern life from becoming like an episode of Survivor. True. Manners, or etiquette, is a set of specific rules designed to ensure polite behavior in a group or in a culture. Part of being properly socialized within a culture is learning what that culture considers to be acceptable in dining and conversation and what you wear. So obviously it can vary from culture to culture. Yeah. And, you know, let's notice and acknowledge here that different cultures have different standards for table manners, yeah. which we'll get into in a minute. But for today's topic, we're going to encourage you to teach your kids to use a fork, a spoon, a knife. We're going to encourage you to teach your kids to chew with their mouths closed. But if we were living in China, uh, we would be teaching our children different things. So what happens in China? So when Emma and I flew to China to visit my friend Jana, we found out that it was totally appropriate to nosh on a piece of bone-in chicken, chewing the meat and spitting out the cartilage and the sinew and the, and the bones right on the tabletop. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, that's the appropriate table manners for their culture. Or I looked up uh, some other cultures like slurping soup in our culture is thought to be rude. But in Japan, it communicates appreciation to the cook. Right. My son was just telling me the other day, he was demonstrating this is how you, if it's really hot, you're supposed to slurp it loudly and it cools it off. I was wondering why in all those food videos that I watch on YouTube, everybody in the Japanese restaurants were lined up at the bar, slurping, 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 and the noodles were dripping from their lips, slurping them up. But I'm, I was thinking that must be okay. Everyone's doing mm -hmm. it. Well, chewing with your mouth open in Korea means you're enjoying the food and celebrating the meal. But well, here in the U.S., it just means you're going to have fewer friends around for lunch. That's so true. That's so true. So... 
also a reason we want to teach our kids table manners is because people matter. So the basic standard for Christian behavior um, we can find all throughout Scripture, but 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So when our goal is to honor the Lord in every way, then we have to remain aware that we represent Him everywhere we go, even at the table. Even at the table. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good lesson for even little ones. Yeah. So when we carry the reputation of Jesus with us, our, be- our behavior affects how others see Him. We were just having a conversation with a young woman about that, how... how um, one of her friends said, I'm having trouble even believing in this God because of all the people I see who say they follow him. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to do that. So if we're perceived as rude or uncivilized, that's dishonoring to the Lord. And good etiquette is one way we can remove social barriers and create connection with people who need to hear the gospel. Right. Everybody knows Emily Post, or maybe not. She's kind of old school. I don't know that they do. I was looking her up, and it's 100 years ago this year that her book came out on etiquette. Wow. Okay, so in antique stores, you can maybe find copies of Emily Post. (laughs) Right. Um, She used to be an author of this popular guide to etiquette, and she notes that the three facets of good manners include respect, consideration, and honesty. So that's respect for others and yourself, because people matter. Mm -hmm. Consideration for others, because people people matter. matter. (laughs) <laughs> and honesty clothed in kindness because people matter <laughs> that's right it's so true it's so true so let's talk about the physiology of manners for a second i love diving into this stuff it's so interesting so rudeness is defined as disrespectful or insensitive behavior and our brains react immediately and intensely to rudeness so when someone is rude our brains interpret it as a threat Hmm. this was so interesting to me so the result is a sudden increase in irritability stress and altered decision making yeah so i get irritable and stressed when my kids are nasty at the table (laughs) (laughs) are they a threat to me i don't know (laughs) it's like it's interesting to know that that's what's going on in your brain even though you're not perceiving that uh uh-huh as a threat. Well, it was a threat to my time. I'm going to have to clean all this my mess sanity, up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was one of the best things about having a dog. <laughs> they come underneath the high chair and eat all the crumbs. That was the that was the only trade-off. Everything else was work. And it's like a living Roomba. It's <laughs> true. The first Roomba. <laughs> oh, so lots of studies have shown that exposure to people who are rude or verbally unkind changes our creativity and hinders our cognitive abilities. So Trevor Folk, a researcher at the University of Maryland, said, when it comes to incivility, there's a snowball effect. The more you see rudeness, the more likely you are to perceive it from others, even if it's not there, the more likely you are to perceive it from others, and the more likely you are to be rude yourself. Hmm. So that's interesting. Just This is so off topic, but just thinking (laughs) of sections of the country where... People come down to the South typically and say, they're so nice. Do you think it just feeds off each other? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what he, that's what Trevor Folk is saying, that it's a snowball effect, that when you're around people being civil, or at least the reverse is true, maybe the positive side is not. I would but think it, it is. But yeah, it seems like it would be. We're not researchers. No. <laughs> Listen to our podcast where we talk about going to the moon <laughs> and aiming intentionality. We're so bad at describing science. <laughs> but it's true. I, I do think that... That civility breeds civility. And, you know, what is um, our youth minister we had on um, our podcast Mm -hmm. who said, you are who you hang around. Yeah, it matters. That's an element of it. It's kind of just... You're just picking up the vibe. You are. You are. 
So I would like to also remind everybody, super easy verse to remember, which we had it on our wall and we remembered it all the time, memorized it. First Corinthians 13 sums it up pretty nicely. Love is not rude. So yeah. even your toddler can remember that verse. That's your basic reason why when mm-hmm. you're telling your children, this is why. Because people matter, number one, and love is not rude. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of this. Let's talk about table manners. What do we want our kids to be characterized by when they eat with us or at grandma's house or a friend's house or in the school lunchroom? So we came up with a list of mm, like a dozen, 11 or so table manners that you want to consider helping your kids master by the early elementary years. Okay. So number one, wash your hands. Surely in the land of COVID, we all know this by now, right? Well, it's your, true. Your mother told you to do it. Your teacher told you to do it. And every workplace has policies and posting signs about it. Even social media has graphic messages about doing it. But still, a lot of us do it wrong. Yeah. And okay, listen, I'll be honest. I didn't like doing it. I remember as a kid just sticking my hands under the water right. and not using the soap and shaking them off and acting like I'd Takes washed so my time. hand. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, but really hand washing is important when we're preparing our meals and before eating because it's the mode of transportation of lots of illnesses, such as the common cold. And hand-to-mouth contact is the way these germs make it into our bodies. And what are you doing when you eat? Hands-to-mouth, hands-to-mouth, wiping your mouth with a napkin, all the things. Go through your day and just catalog, well, for about 10 minutes and watch how many things your toddler touches. Oh, I know. The grocery cart, the doorknob, the car, the floor, the road outside, the ants. So <laughs> they're picking up and carrying tons and tons of germs. If your child goes to daycare, you know that. Mm-hmm. They're coming home, you know, with a new cold every week. Mm-hmm. So wash your hands. So let's just go through it real quick. You wet your hands with clean running water. During COVID, they said warm, not cold water. Um, turn, and then you apply the soap, lather your hands, sing the ABCs about 20 seconds they say mm-hmm. and then rinse them off and dry them there you go done and done easy yeah make it fun sing a song yeah i mean honestly i was not super vigilant about this with my kids and then we'd go visit grandma and she'd be like wash your hands before dinner and yep. especially one of the two of you i will let you remain anonymous really thought that was irritating <laughs> but i was thinking like oh, yeah i don't really make them do that all that much mm-hmm. not we with would, regularity before helping in the kitchen obviously we would after using the bathroom yes but yeah before sitting down to dinner they've been playing Mm -mm, i didn't make them do that it's kind of a time saver but but probably we picked up 10 or 20 extra cold viruses because we didn't do that as much right number two put your napkin in your lap all right i was not taught this oh we were i was not taught to put my napkin in my lap and so i would just be Really, it's not a big deal in terms of being rude to others, except for I felt uncomfortable when I looked around as a teenager and saw everybody else had their napkin in their lap and mm. and I hadn't remembered to do that. So sometimes the, um, the etiquette is a gift you give yourself Yeah, by just being able to read the room and know what's expected of you. Right. Like, I wish I had done the cotillion thing you talked about. So it was just basic table manners, basically. But I didn't get taught that. Sorry, mom and dad. (laughs) Like, thank you for embracing me as I am and letting me enjoy my food. But I kind of felt behind. I was I was a little bit envious. My friend Jana got to go do it. You got to go do it. If you're not, um, you know, going out to eat a whole lot or if you're not going socializing with big groups of people or going to, I don't know, more formal settings, then 
you know, it's just home. What does it really matter? But it does. You see, it transfers. It does. And you never know when you might be out somewhere and an interview or whatever. And all of a sudden, you don't know what you're doing. I think of that scene in Pretty Woman where she's cracking the um, oysters, I think, or something. Remember? I don't remember that. (laughs) She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know which fork to use. She's trying to crack the oyster and it flies across the room. (laughs) So yeah, don't don't put your kids in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Have oysters for dinner tonight, ladies. Right. And it saves you from what's the alternative to a napkin? Either you walk around with sticky hands Mm -hmm. and a messy face or you're wiping it on your clothes. Yeah. So you're messing up your clothes. You're having to wash more laundry. And that's a kid disposition thing. So, you know, if your kid doesn't like to have their fingers messy, the napkin mm. might go, you know, under the radar. Some kids don't care. They just dive right in. And right. They are real, real messy. And the mm-hmm. napkin's important. That's a good point. All right. Number three, keep your elbows off the table. We were constantly harped on this. Now, I grew up in a military house, so there was a lot of, you had to do things a certain way, but... It originated during the Middle Ages because the tables were not built like they were today. They were built on trestles, I guess, so they were less stable. They just, yeah, they just laid a big long piece of wood mm-hmm. across the trestles. It wasn't secured. So you lean on the table enough times and the whole thing's coming over right on top mm-hmm. of you. So mm-hmm. today we have better tables, <laughs> different tables. So now it's a matter of space mm-hmm. and people matter. So you're taking up your neighbor's space. Exactly right. So... Um, it's your, it's your position of your body and meaning you're like engaging in the people sitting across from you or sitting to the side of you. If you've got your elbows on the table and you're slouching, that's just not as respectful. And I, I read that like, if you eat with your elbow, elbows on the table, your upper spine is slouching and you bend forward towards the table and your ribs and your back are compressed. And it's actually just messing with the space your stomach has your digestion. to do, yeah, to do what it needs to do to digest, which listen... I'm always lurking on the digestion things like whatever I can do to set myself up for success there. So that was just, that was just an interesting um, little like tidbit and nugget. Then also the pace of your food. So if you're hunched over, okay, listen, I've eaten with someone. You shall remain nameless. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Who hunches over their plate and shovels the food in as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. And, I have a friend who does healthy living habits on Facebook. You join the group in January and every month she does a, a new thing that you're supposed to try. Yeah. And they have themes. And this year, one of the ones was putting your fork down in between bites. Yes. That's a great habit. If someone has pointed out to you, slow down there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think I was a fast eater, but I realized I wasn't putting my fork down mm-hmm. when I started trying it. Or taking a taking a sip of your drink. Yeah. In between each bite. Yeah. And I, I'm actually tasting the food more. You are, and you're you're not eating as much mm-hmm. because you're not tasting it. You don't notice when you're feeling full. So yeah, you're just like, someone's gonna take this away from me. I better bolt it down. Yeah, you, you don't eat like that and in polite society. Yeah. And just just the appearance of slouching, it don't look good. Right. You just, you're hunched over. It's not a good look for you. Mm-hmm. So also it's less of a choking hazard. Oh yeah, for you little know, kids. when your little kids are starving and they're just cramming as much in, you've seen mm-hmm. them do it. It's just, I have this mouth and it needs to get as full as possible, as fast as possible. And they don't realize it's going to take some time to go down that little tube That's and you can true. choke. So That's yeah, true. slow down, portion it out. I don't know why I have a phobia of that. Emma like 
makes fun of me. She's like, what is your deal with choking? You cut a grape into four pieces <laughs> before you feed it to Dottie. I don't know why I had a, had a fear of that. I'm, to figure it, sit and think about that and ask God about that. <laughs> What's going on, Renee? All right, the next one, really, I've never met an adult who can't do this, but I, almost every kid has trouble with this one. Number four, sit on your bottom and sit forward. Hmm. They're just squirmy. They are. Okay, so this is a pet peeve. Just It's one of my pet peeves, and I don't know why. I, we grew up with a big family, but we were not up and down from the table the whole time. Oh, no, no. It was dinner time. My mom had worked really hard to make this dinner for all these people every night. We sat at the table until we were, till the meal was done. And it wasn't up and down, all five of us in different directions, running back to the table for, you know, three or four bites, carrying our sticker, sticky fingers all over the rest of the house. Um, it goes by age because a two-year-old can sit much, much shorter times than mm-hmm. an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. So if you have a you know, 15 minutes, you can practice 15 minutes with your toddler sitting there. Um, and the food stays at the table. Yes. And that's where we eat. Yeah. If you're done and you get down, you're done. Yes. You're <laughs> that, done. That, that's yeah. That was our rule too. If you got done, well, you said you were done and you got down from the table. That was it. You're not coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can practice this during the day moms. If you think oh, 15 minutes, that's so long. My two year old never do that. Well, only if you're just doing it at dinner, you know, we would have blanket time where they would have to do five, 10, 15 minutes on a blanket mm-hmm. at two years old and stay within those boundaries, which is way bigger than a chair. Right. We'd had playpen time, a little smaller than that blanket mm-hmm. where they have to stay in there with a happy heart. Um, you could sit them in a high chair. We did and, that at, with, with books toys. and puzzles and mm-hmm. things. So you can practice that and that gives you 10, 15 minutes with hands free to cook dinner to to do something yeah Mm -hmm. so you can practice that Uh, that's when why when you stick them in a shopping cart after you've been practicing that they're they're a little bit more able to stay right and not want to be up and down up and down yeah so it's dangerous to Mm -hmm. stand Mm -hmm. that's one thing just basic health and safety you're kneeling you're standing you're pushing on the back of the chair it's gonna fall over Mm -hmm. (laughs) it Mm -hmm. just will so you're eliminating that that's off the table correct and uh, it's more peaceful for everyone else. You don't have to wonder and your head's on a swivel like an owl. Where's my kid? You know, where did he take that jelly sandwich? Mm-hmm. The whole time you were trying to get two bites in. Yeah. It's just more peaceful for everyone. We're just going to sit here for this 15 minutes. Then you can get down and play. Yeah. But it's not going to happen if that's the only time they're required to sit. I agree. And a lot of times, mealtime, oddly, is when you're all together. Mm-hmm. And if your child's not feeling secure and happy with mom and dad, a lot of times mealtime is the behavior when behaviors are going to rise. Mm-hmm. So, because this is the time that mom and dad are together and I can see them working together. Um, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to watch them work together. Or make them work together. Make them work together. <laughs> Even if it's correcting your bad behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. odd. So if you can get that security in your home, how can you do that? What's one good way to do that? Well, we always try to do couch time every day, which we've said a million times on here. So you're hearing right. it again. So we wanted them to see us connecting 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, usually we did it before dinner. Again, be super flexible and do what works for your family, but just do it. So they can see that so you're they good. Can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's why we, we see parents who have kids popping up out of bed because the only time they see their kid, their parents together is when they're in bed. So they're popping up, running to the to the bedroom. It might not be totally a sleep issue. It could be a relationship yeah. issue. Same with mealtime. Very, very Same common. Same with mealtime. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Sit on your bottom. <laughs> Stay at the table. <laughs> Number five is a good one too. No toys or electronics at the table. Um, so humans are hardwired in every culture to connect over food. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to short circuit that by sticking a screen in front of your child every time you sit down. It's a great pacifier. It works. But it's a really bad habit. It's yeah, it's really, really bad. I mean, dinner time is a great time to naturally train your children in conversation skills, eye contact, Mm -hmm. engaging others, being interested in other people, learning how to ask interesting questions. So if you've got a screen in front of you, mom or dad, yeah, or your child, you're you're just thwarting the natural thing that should be happening Mm -hmm. at the dinner table. We've talked about this before. What are some things you can ask in terms of creating conversation at the table that you can model for your children? They have great little card sets now that you don't even have to think. You Mm -hmm. can just pick one out of the deck. But basic, a basic question is give me your highs and lows for the day. Mm -hmm. How did God talk to you today? Mm -hmm. Um, What was something you learned today at school? Yeah. Any any one of those things that's not a yes or no answer. <laughs> that one one any one of those questions could could be your 15 minutes. The whole dinner. Mm-hmm. At the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those table topics is what they're called and they have them for kids. And they're you can get them on Amazon like everything else in the world these days. Yep. They're great. Great great gift idea for grandparents listening to this. Stick it in your your family's stocking or under the tree. Right. So you practice this every night at home and then going out to eat is not that big a deal because right. we do this every night at home you don't have to have a screen at the table i've been out to eat i like every time we go every time we go you'll see entire families at the table kids have headphones on they're plugged into their screens grandma and grandpa are getting no attention they're just on the screen that they could have been on you know any time of the that day that hurts my heart so much so it, you're, you're missing out it, on all the conversations yeah, so connection listen i know that it's constant with kids. We did it. We know. Yeah. But the screens are so ubiquitous because they work. They shut your kid up. Mm-hmm. They give you a moment's peace. Um, just don't do it again and again. Use it sparingly. Delay, right. delay, delay. Mm-hmm. Listen to our technology series. Delay. You're rewiring your kids' brains mm-hmm. when you do that. It's not good for them. And it's not necessary at mealtime. Really, when you're having conversation, if you have a picky eater, having a conversation and engaging is a great way to like sneak some food in there and get them, get their mind off. We're sitting Mm -hmm. here eating. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a great distraction. One family I read about puts their phones in the middle of the table at a restaurant so they aren't tempted to grab them. I love that. Yeah. Just stack them up right in the middle. Mm -hmm. Even mom and dad. Yeah. Because, you know, what's what you're trying to get them to do, you should be modeling. Absolutely. Absolutely. So smart. Amen to that. All right, number six is don't reach across your neighbor. Say, please pass the peas. Please pass the chicken. Right. Please pass the salt is what I'm always saying. <laughs> you know I, mean? I love <laughs> yeah, my salt. You you <laughs> okay, again, Bonnie, I was never taught this. And even now at 51, I have to remind myself, don't reach across your neighbor. Just ask for them to pass it. Uh, I was never made to ask. Yep. We had, you know, family style dinners. Everybody had to pass around. Yeah. I don't know which direction food is supposed to be passed. You know, is it to the left? I don't know. I think that's just agreed upon <laughs> at the table. Everybody left is good. Okay, good. Let's go left. Yeah. So at, at, again, there's a skill to this, to finding a gap in the conversation. Yeah. To to not interrupt, to ask someone to pass something. Uh-huh. Um, again, it's, 
Wow. It sounds so simple, but I'm telling you, moms, if you're not taught this, like you're me and, and you're reaching across your, your friend. Have you noticed I do that? No, I haven't. Yeah, I do. I'm trying to not. I'm glad you haven't noticed. No, I haven't. Well, my corollary to that one is don't pick off other people's plates. I am not a sharer <laughs> when it comes oh boy. to mealtime. This is probably because I come from a big family. You like you get your little oh, amount yeah. and somebody else takes your, your one portion like that's one less French fry for me. Oh, so that was the, what I did on our very first date. I reached across and ate David's mashed potatoes. <laughs> See, I would have been like, "You're out." Nope. I get a, I get a D uh, off on the these list. Ta- this table manner stuff. I think I've given myself a D here. <laughs> if you ask, wow. that's one thing. But that's one thing. My husband and I—he's an only child, and that's what they did in their family. And he—he oh. he just like like you automatically <laughs> did that to me one time. I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> like hands off the fries bud oh that's so funny so uh yeah that's maybe that's a family by family thing but you don't just naturally reach across and get something off no there's else's plate. there's definitely a food culture in big families my son-in-law came from a big family he said they would put their names on their leftovers with little post-it notes oh yeah because the food would be gone oh yeah from the fridge <laughs> then he starts dating emma and we don't even really care for leftovers all that much i feel like we need to eat them so we try to it was glorious. He was in my kitchen every day eating my leftovers. <laughs> it was glorious for him too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So um, the reaching thing too, I, this goes back to the, when your toddlers are up and down from the table and they just kind of come in. I, I've seen this too. They kind of go from person to person. Yeah. Like a, like a, I would just say like a dog begging at the table. Okay. Is aunt, <laughs> aunt Martha going to give me something to eat? And she puts, Something in the toddler's mouth, he runs off. Okay, is grandma going to give me something to eat? And, and you run around the table like that. That's just not our culture. Mm-mm. And it certainly wasn't our family rule. And I don't know. I just didn't see anything good coming from that. I mean, even we just had lunch with Dottie Lou yesterday. So even Dottie Lou, who's like a year and a few months old, can sit. Now she's squirmy. We keep like readjusting sure. her bottom and facing her forward. But she can do it for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And she's, yeah, she's and not. she eats what she needs she to eat eats what's in that in, amount of time. Yep. And she, you know, someday she's more hungry than others. And then we get down and we don't come back to the ki- to the table from the kitchen and get more food later. Mm-hmm. And they'll learn done. to eat a full meal mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. You're not snacking constantly afterwards because they were too busy to eat. Yeah. It just cuts down on a lot of riffraff stuff in the rest of your day. Yeah. If you can keep mealtimes. And it's not, I mean, listen, it wasn't stressful. We, it's fun mm-hmm. teaching her. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I always want to sit beside her because I want to be like involved in that process of teaching her how to do it because I, I mean, you know how I feel about food. I just love it. Yeah. I just feel like it's such a beautiful way to connect and, and to feed people and to see them enjoying food is a joy to me. And so, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. So, okay. That age child too is probably going to throw food. They're probably going to mess it up. And or dropped, flip the spoon. You know, she's messy with her sure. spoon. Or they get mad about something. They don't yes. like it. They're frustrated. They, yeah. they toss it. So that's not a time. Don't make mealtime a battleground and fly off the handle Mm-mm. and send them to the room immediately. I mean, no. unless it's a pattern of behavior. But every kid's going to probably do that. Oh, yeah. we. If she's like, ah, and like, if I try to give her a bite of something she doesn't want, I'm like, oh, we want something different. You know, she's learning words, too, by mm-hmm. the way. She can't always tell you. Mm-hmm. Almost, like, a lot of times she can't tell me what she wants and doesn't want. So sometimes there's frustration in there. Be sure you're reading that right. That yeah. she doesn't have the, the ability to get the food to her mouth like she wants or to tell me what, what the next bite of something that I could help her with mm-hmm. that she would want. So 
Yeah. Cut, like, think of it as a long journey, not of this is how it's always going to be. Right. You're going to see progress. It's so much of parenting. We get, I know I did. I got freaked out and go, went like, okay, this is how meals are going to always be. I'm never going to get to focus on a plate of food. Yeah. It takes a while. <laughs> and for a while, you probably yeah. won't. But it's not forever, and mm-hmm. you want to just be looking for progress. And um, and like you said, keeping the temperature at the table low. Don't let tempers get high. Don't make it a right. uh, power struggle yeah. over mealtime. Distract. Enjoy. So if you don't have a dog that's going to be your living Roomba, do you, and your child just consistently drops food off the chair or throws it or whatever – do you just go get a tarp at your local co-op and spread it under your child's high chair? I remember people putting their high chairs in those little mini plastic swimming pools. Mm-hmm. I was appalled. Do you just take it outside and hose it off later on? No big deal. Absolutely appalled. No, you just take the plate away. They just don't have the freedom to feed themselves. Yeah. I'm oh. going to help until you can learn to keep it on your Yeah, to keep it on your tray. Some of that is cause and effect. It's fun to look over and see where did, where mm-hmm. did it go. <laughs> and the dog comes over and yay, the dog's fun, distracting. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... Yeah, don't we don't drop food or throw food. Okay, this number seven is a great one that you refer to our three series episodes mm-hmm. on kids and food. Try a bite of each food, right? Yes. This somebody spent a lot of time fixing this for you. Yeah. This, so we're gonna try it. It's the minimum courtesy. One bite. Just a bite. It doesn't have to be a giant forkful. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So you know, it's several things here that are at work. It's a discipline to try new things and try again. When you didn't like it the first time, that's a good discipline. And our tastes change over time. So it's practical. Our children are born with tons of taste buds. They're very sensitive. And things are going to taste differently as they grow. So you don't want, when they're two years old, to say, well, they don't like broccoli and they don't like carrots and they don't like apples. And they, well, they maybe didn't then, mm-hmm. but they might in even just a few months, mm-hmm. not even a few years. But also, you know, I saw with my kids' friends, some of them were stuck when they came over to spend the night. They couldn't really eat anything that I offered. Right. So it's a gift you're giving your child. I learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to just handicap your kid by not stretching them and helping them grow. Right. And trying new things. So you got to remember, toddlers' tummies are teeny. Mm-hmm. And sometimes their whole portion of something is just a tablespoon. So many parents don't realize that. Just that, you know how little a tablespoon is? Yeah. So when you're saying just try a bite of something, that's not even a whole tablespoon of something. Yeah. Just a taste. Yeah. I just want to see it on your tongue. Teeny tiny amount. Yeah. I I remember seeing the lunches people would pack for their toddlers and thinking, you've just packed adult-sized portions here. They're not going to eat that whole bag of Cheetos. They better not eat that whole (laughs) bag of Cheetos. And why are you packing Cheetos anyway? <laughs> but yeah, just just a bite and and uh, take the long view on that one. All right, number eight is talk with others at the table. Uh, we've talked about table topics and highs and lows. Um, I read an article about a family that does a family question at dinner, and they these were three that I really liked, so I thought I would share them. Name one thing you wish you could change about yourself. So mm-hmm. that can lead to some beautiful discussions and and kind of learning what's going on in in your child's heart. Yeah. And in yourself, Mm -hmm. being vulnerable with your kids. Um, Number two is if you were given a plane that could fit five friends and unlimited funds, where would you go and who would you take? So 
You want to know about your kids' friends? That's <laughs> yeah. a fun question. Who gets on the plane? Yeah, who made the cut mm-hmm. and why? Mm-hmm. And where are they going? And that kind of thing. And then the third one was, how would you like someone to describe you? I love that question. We should do that one at our next dinner, Bonnie. Huh. With yeah. our grown-up friends. Yeah, it really works well for... Yeah. yeah, for any Peers age. as well. Yeah, so you see like kind of where their heart is there too. Like what what qualities do they uh, think are important? They want to be known by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, later in life, listen, this you really stand out if you can ask good questions of people and be engaged. Um, I, I was slow on the uptake on this one too and was reflecting on a really fun dinner we had with friends when we were in our 20s. We were just, we had just gotten married. They were about to get married and we knew the one friend from college, but we hadn't met his fiance. And he's like, I want you to meet her. Let's go to dinner. And we had a nice two hour dinner and I was going home and I thought that is the funnest dinner we've had. And I, as I was reflecting on it, I realized she did all the question asking. Mm-hmm. She asked the best questions and I got to talk about myself and that made me feel good. And I felt, then I felt bad. Cause you didn't ask any Cause questions. I didn't ask any in return. And I thought that's really a skill I need to work yeah. on. And she, she just taught me that in that one interaction, learning to ask good questions of people and be, get curious. Mm-hmm. Um, as our friend Nora taught us on a recent podcast, get curious about people and get curious about yourself. That's a great uh, early elementary skill mm-hmm. to practice with your kids. Like when you come to dinner tonight, think of a couple questions that you want to ask. Mm-hmm. And that'll get them started with mm-hmm. that practice. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, number nine. If you like your food, say so. If you don't, don't complain. You might just say, no, thank you. I don't want a second helping of that. Yeah. That's all. Not yuck. Oh. <laughs> not, oh, that's gross. I don't like onions. We were, we forbade even, this, not just at the dinner table, but we forbade our kids from um, talking super negatively about foods because other people like that food. Right. Other people cook that food. And people matter. And people matter. And you're not going to just say that that's gross. What are you saying about someone who likes that thing that's gross? Exactly. They're gross. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you're not saying that. You can just say, I don't care for that or no, thank you. And yes, yeah, speak up when you like it. Yeah. Everyone wants to hear that what they mm-hmm. made was awesome. Can you think of a kind um, comment or a compliment you've gotten where you said, oh, I wish you hadn't said that about me. <laughs> no, no, zero. Not one. <laughs> So, okay, number 10 is when you are done, ask, may I be excused? Hey, finally one that we did. And yeah. <laughs> I learned and, and um, required of my kids as well. So in this one, you're just sublimating your desire to move along and stay at the table for the benefit of others. I really did see this in my two when I was telling them they had to stay, that they had to, you know, in a really small way, die to their own desires. Mm-hmm. And sit around for the benefit of others. Right. And we're not talking the next 45 minutes no. of adult conversation. No, no. Just an extra little demonstration of patience. Yep. When you can find a break in the conversation and say, I'm all done, mommy. Thanks for dinner. May I be excused? Yeah. So if we're at the Thanksgiving table, I was thinking about this. I would make them sit 15, 20, 25 minutes. At what age? Um, early elementary. Sure. But if if we were just at a regular evening meal a casual conversation that wasn't a special occasion, five minutes. Yeah, that's the same with us. Um, and there wasn't a lot of this squirming and sighing. And obviously, mm-hmm. I you know, I don't want to be here and this is boring. Mm-hmm. You you can participate and hang in there with people that you care about mm-hmm. <laughs> to show them that you care about them Yeah, for an extra five minutes. I'm not going to kill you. Yeah. 
Number 11, just say thanks and take your plate to the sink. Put your chair in. I so appreciated this when we had kids, friends over oh, for yeah. dinner. Thanks for dinner. Oh, and that just the extra help of not having to take the plates to the sink. Mm-hmm. So helpful. Well, you taught your kids this very well because they do this consistently. Oh, there's two things. These last two. <laughs> consistently. Shoo. So yeah, scripture is filled with references to Thanksgiving. We enter into God's presence with Thanksgiving. Paul connects it to the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts when we're thankful. Uh, we're supposed to be thankful for each day. We're thankful for our future hope in God's kingdom. I could go on and on. But for me, the incident that comes to mind is when Jesus healed 10 lepers, but only one, the Samaritan, the bad boy, the foreigner, came back to thank him. We really, really want to cultivate gratitude and thankfulness in our children and in ourselves. For every little thing. And a lot of times, I don't know if you your kids didn't go to public schools, but um, for Mother's Day and things like that, ours, I can remember them coming home with lists, you know, of top 10 things your mom does for you or whatever. Oh, and I love that. always on there was, oh, my mom always feeds me. She always makes me dinner or whatever. But they didn't. So I knew they were thankful for it and they noticed it, but they didn't always say thank you mm. at the time. So, you know, whoever's doing the cooking, the other parent can model this. Yes. That's a great example. You just like you, you say it and then you can even just encourage them, not in a negative way. You don't have to be negative. Just be like, wasn't that so good? Thank, let's thank mom for dinner. Thanks. Yeah. Or the mom. Thanks dad thanks. for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for cooking for us. That's awesome. Um, so, and then helping clean up just by taking your plate to the sink. Again, it, this is family identity and family bonding. Um, when you help clean and then you have a break from cleaning, then you understand right. the gift that is given to you. Yeah. And everyone's eating. Mm-hmm. Chicken little. Mm-hmm. So everyone needs to participate. So different families do this differently. So some families have you like have a chore of the week. Mm-hmm. And so like cleaning up the dinner dishes might be your chore. We didn't divide. We were a small family. Just four of us. So we, everybody helped every night. Um. But not, you know, obviously not every single night or there's pizza night where you everybody sure. gets a break and you're just throwing stuff in the trash and you go, oh, that's so nice not to have to clean up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so even setting, yeah. setting the table, too, is part of that. You can. Oh, yeah. One child can help set the table. The other one can help clear the table. Mm-hmm. Somebody can help dry the dishes. Your two year old can help put the silverware away out of the dishwasher. Everybody can help with mealtimes. Again, David was really helpful in this way. I was the one I wanted to be. We had decided I was going to be the one who cooks. He was going to be the one who cleaned up. So then when kids came along, he would kind of direct, all right, Houston, you do this, Emma, you do this. And so he just kind of took the lead in that. And he was in there helping as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you work as a team, you're on the same team here. And if you're not doing this as a family and you feel like you need help, just talk to your husband about it. Yeah. That's a great couch time topic, Mm -hmm. by the way. Hey, how can we help? Yeah. Better table manners today. So these are 11 great topics and suggestions but you want to work on one thing at a time here like don't all of a sudden tonight at dinner ambush your kids we're all going to be like on downtown abbey tonight don't roll out the scroll the new constitution of table manners (laughs) read it word for word with your children ease into it a little bit (laughs) right and if you've been working on things for a while and they slip up that's okay like you don't want meals to become a battleground you want a relaxed space for conversation right and a place to practice not being rude Yes. But again, we want joy. Mm-hmm. You know, courtesy creates joy, but you're, it is, does take some work to get there. Yes. And once everybody's got it on board, oh my goodness, you're going to have such great family times around the table. 
So just small steps. You know, your two-year-old, unless you're in France, <laughs> listen to our food episode, probably won't have the self-regulation to sit and have a conversation for 45 minutes. Patience and consistency is key here. Right. And if you have older kids, then you can start with a little more and require a little bit more of mm-hmm. them. They can understand quicker and faster. Mm-hmm. All right, so this list is going to be on our website at justaskyourmom.com, and you can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, um, please take five seconds to rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends and family. And send us your topic suggestions. We love to get them, and we we almost always use them. I think we've mm-hmm. always used I think them. we always have. Yeah, justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just, Just Ask, Ask Your Mom. Mom.